Hello, good evening, and welcome to the Sunday Night Breakdown. Daniel Routledge and Dave Forrester with you to look back over all of the action in the British Basketball League on opening weekend and what could be uh, more welcome back to the BBL than simultaneous finishes on a Sunday night just to keep us uh, on yeah. our toes. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> indeed, we'll get to all of that uh, in a minute, Dave. But uh, obviously, we spent the last few weeks talking about Great Britain and there's been a little bit of movement in that regard. Did you want to reflect on that before we move on to the more mundane regular games? I think the phrase is it would be rude not to, isn't it? Indeed. Um, the um, obviously we did three different ones, which went from kind of disappointment to um, upset to anger to old man shouting at cloud, you yeah. know, and um, and that just kind of finished off in the games. Um, what's come out since, thanks to some pretty good reporting from various people, but particularly Mark Woods. Um, is taking me beyond anger, mm. to be honest. Um, the um, disclosure that on the Thursday night, you know, four hours before the game in Italy against Italy in Eurobasket, all of which is being you know, broadcast all over the world, um, somebody, well, multiple people, one assumes, within the governing body thought it appropriate to send an email basically explaining how it wasn't their fault. Not, not, not saying sorry to the players or talking, basically talking about the hardships that um, the difficulties it was in, in, in dealing with things. And um, the most tone deaf document I think I can ever recall. And, um, and the fact that it was sent by email when you know it's an easy jet flight to Milan. Yeah. Um, I, you know, then, then you think about how we started in that game against Italy. It was 12 nil in like three minutes. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. You know, and, and Nate had to say something to them. And it kind of all becomes true. You know, it all kind of fits the picture. Um, professional athletes are, by nature, people who have no excuses in their culture. You know, to get to that level, you, you operate in a no-excuse world. You know, because you're everything that you do is, is judged by people. It's in front of the, it's, it's, it's in front of everybody. You're in front of the world. And, you know, those of us who do jobs which aren't like that don't know how that feels. Yeah. yeah. And I don't get watched by 20,000 people when I'm standing in South Times in Magistrates Court. Um, and you might get listened to by 20,000 people, but <laughs> you do, I'm not really sure that's true. Um, anyway, but, but if you know what I mean. And, and, and to produce something um, so tone deaf, so inadequate, so insulting, um, without then thinking, well, hang on, what impact is this going to have on the players mm. who are who've got a game in four four hours time? Why wouldn't you send it the next day? Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. And we, you know, and we've talked about, you know, why the chairman isn't over there or hasn't been appointed whilst this is going on. Then you listen to the weasel words that come out of the organisation, and. It just made me think, you know, this is lions led by donkeys. This is World War One, mm. right? So that again, some some excellent reporting. I mean, it was even suggesting the report that one of the members of, uh, of the board had said, "Look, we need to apologise to these guys," and it's been shouted down by the rest. Mm. Which basically just goes to show that you know Johnsonian Johnson Johnsonism is still alive and kicking. Mm. You know, never apologise, mm. never accept, never admit. Well, that's fine if you you know you're trying to win elections. 
But your your own your whole function is to is to win the hearts and minds of twelve people who are on who are out there giving it putting it on the line for yeah. their country, right? And the lack of accountability contained and 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 the tone deaf nature of that email absolutely astounded me. Um, you know, just unbelievable. Since then, um, it's taken two weeks. Um, we've finally had a chairman appointed. Um, I have little faith. And I have little hope, I'll be honest. And I hope I'm desperately hope I'm wrong. Desperately hope I'm wrong. But I'm afraid it's, it, it is another um, political appointment, I'm assuming made by somebody in UK sport, um, with somebody who has a, a, a thousand words in his bio before basketball is even mentioned. Mm. And I have a problem with that. There's a, a great piece on, um, I think Sam Nita put up on his Twitter feed of his interview with Steve Veer. Steve is the... I think he's, he's, he's a general manager of South Sudan or he's involved with Luol Deng and Luol Deng's programs and he's next point guard in the league and you know has a lot a lot of basketball experience and he puts it far more concisely than I ever could in about a minute it's a minute clip I'll try and put it up online after this we've done this um which basically says you know every we go through the same cycle we appoint somebody gets appointed who knows nothing about basketball they spend six months talking to people and they've got to work out who to believe and by that time we've lost whatever momentum we had yeah yeah. It's happened again. Um, and as I say, I'm desperately hope I'm wrong. But all that we saw with the, um, it, it's a guy called Chris Grant, he might be great. You know, I hope he's great. Um, everything I know about what's happened in the sport over the past 20 years will tell me that it, it's going to be more of the same and the same doesn't work. And beyond that, um, there are then the, frankly, sick-making press releases that come out with it. With the various bodies all talking, you know, basketball England, basketball Scotland, yeah, yeah. basketball Wales, BBL, all talking about stakeholders and working together and moving forwards and every little bit of buzzword you could imagine. And I kind of get it from the um, basketball England, basketball Scotland, because you can't accept fault because, hang on, they're the people who are part of all of this. Mm. Um, I would like the BBL to stand up for their players. I understand why it's politic that they didn't. Um, and say something more than the normal kind of friendly words about working together and all that stuff. Because at this point, nobody in authority, nobody in a, has acknowledged in any way, shape or form the failures that have gone on. Mm. And I don't know how you, how you can possibly move forwards with any organization if you don't acknowledge the flaws, the mistakes, the errors being made. Yeah, my take on that is uh, I wouldn't, put that out as my first press release as a, to welcome I get that. to welcome the chairman and, and 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 actually in some ways the bbl is not in a position to to say yeah that. i get I that should, i, should I get imagine. that that's why i said but i would like to see something from the new chairman that says that acknowledges the failings of other people in the past and therefore at least shows that he has an idea of what he's walking into i'd like you know what's going to change you know, what's going to change? Because at the moment, you know, the only thing they mentioned about potential change was that they've, they've had some recently appointed board members. Well, that was, you know, they were recently appointed six months ago, 12 months ago. There is still, other than one referee, not a basketball person on, on that board. Well, to be fair, there's a, there's a couple from back. Sadie Mason played for, played 30 years ago, you know, you know, so basketball person. So that's probably wrong. That's probably not fair. Um, but there's still nobody involved in modern professional basketball apart from one referee on that board. And you're dealing with modern professional players, right? And I'd like to know, you know, who is taking responsibility, um, where the mistakes are. And I'd like it to be public. I'd like to effectively be an audit, and there won't be 
And the problem is that the fact that there won't be, not because, that, that's not a problem because you, you think, oh, well, nothing, um, it's being done, but I don't need to know, that's fine. It's because one genuinely suspects that people don't accept that they made mistakes. Mm. You know, and the, and the people who have appointed the new chairman are, are basically looking at the bio, it's Sport England, it's UK Sport, it, the, it's, a polit, it's a political appointment by, mm. by funding agencies, and funding is critical, and I get that, and having somebody who can grease the wheels might help, and no doubt it's a direct response to the fact that the last time they appointed an athletics coach, mm. it, wasn't part of, it wasn't part of that. Yeah, group, yeah, 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 right. Yeah. But it went horrendously wrong. So they then revert back to the, the that that way, this way of doing it. But you know, I'm going to put up Stevie's tweet. I'm going to find it and put it up because mm. he says in a minute and fifteen seconds. Well, you know, I've been trying to say the last four podcasts, basically. <laughs> you know, and um, and I think we'll leave it at that. Mm. Um, we don't know anything about the game in November. We're now at the end of September. Yeah. Um, it's just. It, it, it's really just a continual it, it's a it would be different it would be surprising i suppose if it was anything different because it's a continuation of the failures of the summer so why am i surprised why am yeah, i upset yeah, yeah. why am i angry etc 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 i still am you know that that message being sent to players four hours before a game is just yeah. absolutely crass yeah well i mean they're just anybody involved I wouldn't before, expect before. them to be reading emails four hours before the game, it won't, but somebody's going to get it. Somebody, yeah, somebody. Well, the yeah. coach is going to get it, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. and then, then yeah. the coach is going to probably show it to a senior player or two, mm. you know, and just the concept of it is just is just nuts, mm. you know. It's it, 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 but the whole summer has been nuts, mm. and it's a continuation. And at the moment, the sword is there, but no one's fallen on it. Yeah, um, yeah. it's a concern because you know we all deal in sport, professional sports. The, the accountability is we talked results-based industry. It's results-based, and then you know it's it's an inquest. Mm. Yeah. You know what happened yeah, to yeah, us yeah. was the equivalent yeah. of losing. What happened to us was the equivalent of going to the World Cup, losing to Iran three 0 losing to, um, I think Wales were playing. I think two mm. 0 and maybe I think we're playing America as yeah, well, so, yeah. uh, and losing three 0 to America. Go, you know, lose all three games, and you think everything would be standing still. Mm. You know, every time the cricket team loses the ashes, is everything's tipped upside down. You know, the <laughs> whole stale performance review, performance reviews. We just have it. Oh, never mind. We'll, we'll, we'll speak to the stakeholders. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Along. Rubbish. Sorry. Well, we will come back to this, no doubt, in November yeah. when 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 GB uh, play again somewhere so, somewhere. Uh, let's let's get on to some actual basketball. We'll start with the Champions yeah. League qualifier and my full disclosure this week is i've no income apprentice so i could keep looking over here because i've got some notes over here um which was uh leicester riders 61 tso voluntari of romania 70 um patrick whelan back for leicester for the first time he'd missed the preseason games after coming back from eurobasket with a with an ankle injury um Leicester started this game really well. Then Nelson Henry inside, Loving made a three, nine, two up after two and a half minutes. And you're thinking, oh, this looks good. Yeah, I mean, they did. And, and, and we, to be fair, Whelan didn't look right the whole game. No, just, you, know, you mentioned that you mentioned angle injury. And not, I mean, you know, he didn't look right the whole game. And, and I'm not convinced that was due to the standard of the opposition. You know, I, I think he's better than that. Mm. Um, and if he's healthy and in rhythm, then I think he has an impact on the game and that might make a significant difference. Um, yeah, Leicester started out by getting better shots and voluntary, mm. basically. And um, I think possibly, you know, surprising voluntary with the efficiency of their shots. And, you know, when you're playing a game, you're playing in Europe, 
all these games are mass are basically pre-season, they're early season. Mm. And the one thought I always I always had about Europe, and I was somewhat frustrated on a couple of years where we couldn't enter it, um, was that your continuity would give you the advantage that potentially your budget took away from you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and and that if we could play with a purpose and 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 play with togetherness, that that could um, impact you know on these teams of bigger budgets, but have just been thrown together. And I think that kind of happened um, with Leicester early. Um, you know, the, the big guys. You know, the big guys in Leicester. Nelson Henry and Walker were, were the, ma- the match of the big guys at Voluntari who would know that getting you know, paid three times as much. To be honest, Thompson's got a heck of a resume, you know. Mm. And through the whole game, you know, they were the match for them. And I think that probably surprised Voluntari a little bit. Um, but there's a lot of athleticism. There was a lot of athleticism. There was, I think, they had five Americans, mm. um, a seven-foot Slovenian, and a couple of others as well. And um, I thought during the, the first quarter, um, that athleticism began to wear on Leicester and it kind of hampered their shot creation and the, the quality of the shots that they were getting. So uh, they got back into it from the three-point line. Tarok, a, a couple of threes, Cotton. Uh, the pick the top guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and then yeah. second quarter was quite low scoring. Neither team really getting things going. Minute 20 to go to halftime. Washington had just hit a three. Walker had made two free throws. Leicester were up five. And I think over the course of the sort of, uh, what is it, 18 and a half minutes, they were good value for that, but for yeah. that five points. But then, but then um, Cotton hit a three and then Gotcha uh, from inside his own half on the buzzer hits a three and, and, and suddenly Leicester are down one at the break. Yeah, Gotcha got him. Yeah. <laughs> he did. Um, I had to say it. Um, yeah, I mean, you can't, that's a, you know, killer in a one-off game, you know, if that happens to you once a season in a 36-game league season, you can live with it, you know, when it happens to you in a one-off game, then you're walking off there thinking, Jesus, you know, mm. um, that, that was that was brutal. Um, the difficulty, I mean, Thompson had a lot of two fouls in a lot of the first half. Yeah, didn't he did, yeah. Which was a big, a big factor for them. Um, Connor was great again. You know, Connor and Mo Walker were left as two best players in this game, probably by a long way, and um, kind of took over the scoring um, in, in the second quarter and to a certain degree in the third quarter as well. It's terrible. It's a what if. It's a total. It's an absolute what if situation. You know, ultimately, you know, Leicester were a team which was basically perfectly formed last year with a ton of um, non-ego, um, effective pass first talented shooters with length playing around um kind of a central star you know yeah. supernova in Cranwell. Yeah. yeah you know and then if for whatever reason the the, the star started to implode um you brought connor off the bench to to kind of collect all the starry bits back together and, <laughs> and keep it going you know and and then and you add in little bits around there like you know Adekoya's defense mckenzie's hustle all that stuff it was a perfect group for that, now you plug another point guard in, it becomes very, you know, suddenly it's it's totally different. Everything you learn over two years changes. So now Jackson has to create a little bit more. Loving has to create a little bit more of the dribble. After Jackson, I mean Zach Jackson. Mm. Um, and it's no surprise to me that, you know, they were better on the court, better with Connor Washington on the court than they were with CJ Jackson because he's just been around for long. It doesn't matter. CJ Jackson may end up being a great player. He may not, I don't know. But he's been around for two weeks, three weeks. Yeah. 
and he's not mentally no. healthy no no well yeah. I, I don't know he just it's just and so if you're going you're going in to um a, a, a Champions League game with four Americans anyway not five which you could have um you've got one of them who's, who's totally fresh to the team at the most pivotal position um you're in a situation where to be fair, you're putting a 19-year-old or 20-year-old kid in in the first quarter mm. who's never even played a BBL game. Mm. You know, now I'll tell you, voluntary aren't doing that. No. You know, there's a difference in there's a difference in resource level here, which is um, difficult for the layman to perhaps understand. Um, and the continuity only quite only really took them just so far, mm. and unfortunately, the shot creation and the, the lack of length, the lack of length. Um, and the and the people who the guys who were guarding them eventually got the better of them. I thought. Yeah. Uh, so in the third quarter, they they couldn't really score and and got down thirty nine uh, to fifty, and it, it sort of stayed not out of reach, but not in reach uh, in a low scoring game, and it it didn't really look like they were going to do it. And then all of a sudden, late in the game, Jackson hits a three. They get a stop. Three, yeah. yeah, there's two two minutes to go, and CJ Jackson has a three that, that if that goes in, it's a one point gain with yeah. two minutes to play. And you think, well, with the momentum with Leicester at that point, um, but that that comes out, and then Cotton banks Thanks, in a three at the end of the shot clock at the other end. It's seven, and that that was game over with a minute and a half. That's a, you see that that in that that suppose is the perfect example of the difference, and obviously we're not meant to compare because. Comparison is a thief of joy or some some mm. rubbish like that. But you know, comparison is also very helpful for podcasts. Mm. <laughs> and um, you know, Jackson, CJ Jackson never really made a shot all night. Right, he may only made one shot, but he never looked like he was getting to the spots to make shots. You know, his shots were missing, they were missing badly. And that was probably the most open shot he got in the whole game, but he hadn't been in a rhythm, he'd only just come back in the game. And you know, again, you know. If that's Crandall, Crandall knows where he's shooting it from. He knows where it's going and the rest of the team is comfortable with him taking it, you know? Um, so it's kind of a confidence thing. And it didn't go in, uh, as you say. And, um, you know, a seven-point game in a minute and a half against that team, they, they weren't going to get it back. Wow. Because there wasn't anywhere specific you could say. Without Whelan's acceleration and ability to finish at the rim, um, and with... Um, you know, the size of the big guys, which meant that, you know, Walker and, and Nelson Henry couldn't bully them. You know, the question is, where are you going to get your shots from? And it was either Connor or it then comes onto the point guard to create and he wasn't ready to create mm. for whatever reason, but he's new, basically. Mm. And uh, he's got a good resume. I'm sure he's a good player, but it's just too early for him. And, um, yeah, so, so yeah, they, they they did their best. I, I think I thought they represented pretty well. Um you know, they, they looked like a team. They, 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 they competed. They, they looked like they were up for it. They looked like they were ready. Um, but, you know, you need a battle. You need, a, you need, a, you need some bounce. You need to knock down some shots. Mm. Um, and they were very less alike. They didn't turn the ball over, but they couldn't get out in transition much, and they couldn't really create much in the half court. I finished uh, 24-67 shooting, 4 of 12 from three-point range. Connor Washington uh, was 6 of 12. Uh, for 14 points, four rebounds, four assists. Uh, Walker, 13 and six. Nelson Henry had 10. Cotton had 19, and Tarok was uh, four of six uh, from yeah. behind the arc for 14. They were killer points. shots because they were they were comfortable shots. They were either pick-and-pop shots or corner threes, and Leicester didn't really have the opportunity 
to, to get those shots because for Leicester shooting 12 threes, mm. you know, that's a low number with those guys. You know, they're all 40% shooters, right? And they're shooting 12 threes. And that's because they were struggling to create the advantage to, to force the rotations to allow them to get that off. Mm. So they end up, you know, it ends up, you know, being a little bit more more Walker centric. And he, he competed in the other thing. He was six or 12. And, you know, really, you know, from, from I hate this, Rob won't like me to say this, but if I was watching that game as a European head coach in the Champions League, I'd be, <laughs> I, could a bit worse, I could do a bit worse than this guy because he's 6'10". He's competing with these other guys, you know. Um, I, I thought he was really good, but no, just not, just not quite enough. So uh, let's move to the domestic action. Friday night, first night of the season in the British Basketball League. We'll start at the Sports Park, where Surrey Scorchers were beaten by Cheshire Phoenix, 81 to 96. No Teo Egenbert, Denby, no Bowman, Jack Domney for um, for Surrey, but they did have Carl Carey and Bacali going against their, their old team. And um, somebody was missing for Cheshire, and I can't remember who it is, and I haven't written it down. Um, it Go on, I'll tell you. Uh, anyway, uh, Anderson hit some threes early on. Surrey's defense didn't really take anything away in the first uh, first few minutes of the game, and it, it was out to a 15-7 start. Yeah, I mean, just starting on, on the teams, um, you know, that's half of Surrey's team because they've got Paddy Wang who hasn't come in yet. Mm. I think they've signed another American. I think they had four Americans signed. They've only got two playing. You then lose Teo and you... Um, Ulf was missing. Yeah, Ulf was missing with Cheshire. Yeah, apparently, um, land on Michael Trobia's foot in practice, according to the commentary today. Um, so you're missing two Americans and um, you're missing Teo, who's a crucial player for them, you know, absolutely crucial player for them. And Boban, who's also a crucial player for them. So your starting centre is actually a guy you've just signed on a, on a month-to-month contract in Picali. And that's not the way you draw it up, you know, if you're a coach, if you're Lloyd Gardner, that's not the group that you're thinking, I'm going to go in with my first team. Because he, I was watching him, you know, two weeks ago playing at Newcastle, and that's not the team that they had. Mm. You know, they, they have more bodies and more space. So, so you know, yet again, injuries and pre-season stuff really makes a massive um, difference to that. Um, I thought, sorry, we're a little bit slow mm. um, to kind of get the speed of the game. And I thought, you know, Cheshire will, with the advent of Larry Austin in particular, who plays the game at a certain pace, I thought he played you know, much of the game at a slightly faster pace than, than Surrey did. Obviously, he's very different to Andrew Lawrence, who's run the point of Surrey. And, um, uh, uh, oh, my goodness. And Luke Bazumbu, sorry, I nearly forgot his name. Um, who's also having to play, you know, lots of minutes in his first game. And I thought the pace of the game suited them. And then Jamel started knocking down shots and Jamel came in with kind of Commonwealth Games confidence mm. and, um, you know, was able to score in, in, in ways that probably we haven't seen from him before. And it's kind of positive for Cheshire that he's got the, both he got the green light, but he also had the confidence not kind yeah. of to be that fifth option, but to say, yeah. look, actually look, looking around thinking, oh, it's me. Um, they then had Jordan Strawberry come off the bench and you know in, in in a shooting in a shooter's role is basically an undersized, probably a combo guard, I would suggest, and made a ton of made, made three or four threes as well um over the course of the game. And sorry, we're getting decent looks at times, but there were times where you know they, they just weren't quite there. And their offense, I thought, 
throughout the game. I'm pushing things through a little bit here because I don't remember the specifics mm. of the first and second quarter because it was like a 10, 15 point game all the yeah. way. Yeah. Well, Neighbour um, pushed it out to a double figures uh, lead when he came Sorry, in. Seven in. points in three minutes. Will yeah. Yeah, it, it kind of it kind of stuck there, but actually, one less three in Lawrence, uh, a couple of Lawrence scores, and it was only five at half time. And even though they'd given up fifty, um, I was thinking, oh well, maybe if they just can do something a bit differently defensively in the second half, they might have a shot at this. Sorry, I didn't think they did a great job. I mean, Larry Austin starting at the point for Cheshire. Obviously, last year he was basically the third guard because they had Teddy and, and mm. Ben Mockford, mm. and um, and then Damon Wright as well at times. So he was coming off the bench. So he's now starting as a point guard. And, um, you know, he's very kind of, a, a, he's an attack mode, north-south guy. Mm. I didn't think so. He did a very good job of defending the screen and roll. You know, he got to the rim and he got dump offs to um, either Roger Roby or Teague at times as well. Uh, and I don't think they adjusted to that overly well. Um, the other thing that disappointed me a little bit about the story was that, you know, Jalen Ray was kind of marginalised a little bit. And, and you know, I watched Jalen Ray in Newcastle a couple of weeks ago in two games, and he's a pure scorer. Mm. And a lot of the, and maybe because of the different lineups that they had on the court, but he ended up a lot of times on the wing, and they weren't really able to create that much offense from it. It was a lot of kind of ball screen going through Bazumbru and Lawrence. And he, I think, got a little bit frustrated in his game, and he, and he made a couple of shots early, but after that, they kept him quiet. And to, to be close, I think they needed him to have a you know, 20 plus. Mm. Well, uh, Austin hit a three the first play of the second half, and Nick started 14 yeah. 7. It was back out to 12, and they never really looked like making a run back into it. Sorry, at that uh, from that point onwards. Yeah, and then Andrew Lawrence did his hamstring, didn't he? Uh, which is gutting again, you know. Um, you know, Luke Bazumbru, pretty good, you know, showed, I think, um, BBL athleticism at the rim, eight of eight from the, from the, from the field, but you know, I don't think Lloyd would be expecting to have to play him 33 minutes in his first BBL game. Yeah. Um, you know, that's tough. Um, but you know, so the benefits for Surrey is that they, they get, you know, they know they've got a player there that they can use in the right in the right way um to maximize things. Um but overall Cheshire kept making shots, you know, you, you give up 96, you're gonna lose most likely. Yeah. And then um, particularly, you know, the shots that they made. They were kind of flat-footed shots, like Will Neighbour shots, Jordan Strawberry shots, even Jamel Anderson. You know, they weren't kind of hand up. They weren't being guarded the way that they could be guarded. It was almost like saying, we don't think you can make these shots, and then they did. And, um, yeah, I thought um, thought Cheshire were fully deserved to win. So uh, you mentioned Rizumbra with 21 points, 8 of 8 shooting, also had 7 rebounds, 4 assists as well. Lawrence, 17 and uh, seven assists for Carly, 12. Anderson, 22 points, nine rebounds, four assists. Austin, 17, five and five. And Strawberry, five of seven shooting for 17 points off the bench. Let's go to Bristol, where the Flyers uh, took on the Manchester Giants. 79, 78, that one finished. Uh, no VJ King with a hamstring uh, injury. And I must admit, when I was watching this one back on Saturday morning, I was wondering if Russell had forgotten about the athleticism of, of William Lee because um, they they were taking shots that were well within his range and he was throwing them back into the crowd. Um, just, and it, just before you get to yeah. that, I mean, every time somebody says BJ King this, this, this season, I'm going to have the image of a Fijian golfer in my mind. <laughs> um, it's going to be tough to break. Um, but yeah. It's better than uh, meatloaf. 
better than meatloaf. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the um, you're right. I mean, it, obviously Manchester are the great kind of imponderables. Mm. You know, the whole thing's been shrouded in a little bit of mystery over the summer. Um, they've rocked up with a um, with a very talented, BBL experienced team. Um, still got last year's kit on, mm. um, and haven't really played any particularly public preseason games that I'm aware of. Um, so everyone was kind of looking at them, thinking, you know, what, what, what is this team going to be? You know, is it, is it some of its parts, etc. And um, Bristol, kind of the opposite. Bristol are playing with house money because. Coach Kapoulis has literally done a hundred, a hundred degree, a three, no, hundred and eighty degree, because three hundred and sixty would bring you back where you are. Yeah, yeah. a hundred and eighty degree turn in his eight, nine years in the league in relation to the way that he built his teams. And I love, I love it. I'm really fan of it because initially, the first three or four years, we knew what Bristol were going to run. You know, we knew that they would be technically proficient. We knew they would be running this system. We knew where their shots were. They were trying to get their shots from. And um, they didn't really win much, or they didn't beat the better teams. And he, since then, he's kind of gradually moved towards this kind of more athleticism, more kind of traditional BBL model, to the point this year, whereby they basically signed five American smalls. Mm. Um, Jelani Watson-Gale, um, who's you know, a British guy who scored 19 a game in Division Two last year, who's clearly talented. Division two in America. Um, Corey Samuels, who's another small, and basically Leslie Smith and Malcolm, Malcolm Del Pesh to kind of rebound things. Yeah. yeah. Go get some offensive rebounds, boys. Yeah, offensive rebounds. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and so, you know, I'm still trying to figure out who each of them is, right? Because you've got Ollison, you've got Mahan, you've got obviously King wasn't playing, so that was easier. Um, you've got um, the guy from North Texas, Bell. Um, and I'm still missing one. Um, Miller from last Miller, year. Of course, Miller from last yeah. year, who, who demonstrated himself at the end of last year when he got healthy to be a high-level BBL player. High-level, high, high-level. You know, he had that game against Manchester where he dropped 35 to get them in, in, in the playoffs, you know. So, mm. so you're looking at that, you're thinking, okay, this is going to be an interesting scout report because from what I can see, all these guys can dribble, they can all jump, they can all shoot, they can all drive, they can all attack. Um, and they all appear to play hard. Mm. Um, so it kind of it's almost kind of raptor style position um, position as basketball. So the, the the um it was kind of the whole game I thought was a mixture of kind of the old and the new. Mm. I thought Manchester were playing as kind of veterans who kind of knew the league, who were getting into their sets and getting their shots. And Plymouth were playing with a sorry Plymouth Bristol were playing with a degree of reckless abandonment, which demonstrated itself in the rebounding category. Um. And to start with, and Bristol were tight, and Manchester got kind of going where they wanted, and they got good looks from. Well, Manchester, story. Manchester were up twelve after mm. twelve and a half minutes, thirty-one nineteen. They actually had half of their offense inside the first fifteen, half of their points that they scored inside the first fifteen minutes of the game, and. I must confess, watching this, I was thinking Manchester are going to have to. Manchester will win games in the nineties rather than the seventies. Yeah, well, they 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 are they're not unathletic because obviously Lee and um and Green are are are, are athletic guys, but 
um, you know, if you go to block everything, it means you can probably not going to rebound everything. Yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> and um, ultimately, whilst Lee and Green are, I say, athletic guys, they're both quite slender. Mm. Um, and um, you know, they, they, it was they strike me at the moment as a bit of a Red Bull team, Manchester. Mm. You know, they, they play with the, with the adrenaline, and when they're mm. when they're flying up and down the court and the draining shots, it looks fantastic but then when you get to the nitty gritty you know are you going to be able to make are they going to be able to make the play are they going to get the defensive rebound which they need to win the game and i've got an i've got a stat on them actually because i was in i was on synergy at the time and it's it changed over the summer not that anybody cares no. um but it was so i was playing about with with some of the uh uh, newly presented features they were probably there and I couldn't find them before but the yeah. interesting thing I saw on Manchester in this game is their points per possession in transition was 1.39 which is good yeah. um, their, their points per possession in the half court was 0.639 which yeah. is not good sure. um, and, and, and interestingly they have this category push ball when they get the ball and go yeah. um, and they were 0.97 in that which is reasonable but when they went from push ball into half court it dropped to two uh point two three one which i know is just throwing a load of numbers but in no, essence in the open court they were they were really good in this game when yeah. they got into the half court not so much well they're, they're a little bit to be honest a little bit like newcastle last year not you know they, they don't really have a secondary ball handler callum jones didn't play much um so fletcher's playing a lot um and you know, Nick Lewis didn't play much. And, you know, again, Nick Lewis is kind of a guy, probably more of a scorer than a creator. Um, and then they've got a bunch of wings, Corey Johnson and Dirk Williams and Roberson. You know, they're, they're not really guys you're going to give to get the ball in the half court. So you've got to, you know, you've got to figure out where your offense is coming from. Um, and Bristol kind of figured out their offense was eventually coming from Miller, um, handling the ball. Offensive rebounding and then um, kickouts and you know Jelani Watson Gale got aggressive and started scoring the ball. And as I say, when Manchester's adrenaline kind of dropped, when the speed dropped, when the Red Bull ran out, you know, when you had the dip, um, there wasn't there wasn't much there. They, they played in spurts through the whole game, you know. And at times their body language wasn't great. They, they looked a bit tired at times. It looked like they were worn down. You know, so it doesn't matter what level of talent you've got. Ultimately, if you get rebounded by 25, you're mm. going to struggle to win a game. Mm. Let's spin it forward uh, to the end, last couple of minutes. So uh, Watson Gale with the three, 75-71. William Lee with the layup, 75-73. Miller with the alley-oop to Delpesh. Yeah. Uh, nice Dunk, 77-73 with 116 to go. And then Green... An offensive foul on. Didn't like it. I, I, I watched this back. Didn't like that call. Um, I, I saw why it got called. I watched it. The one thing, I mean, my kind of early season rant on this is going to be on uh, illegal screens with refs because I'm I'm really kind of with this YouTube feature now and the ability is to go back and watch. Mm. I mean, you, know, you don't generally you'll never see an illegal screen because as a fan because you're not watching it. You're watching yeah. the ball, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. By the time it's happened, it's like, oh, he must have done it. So now I'm kind of on them because I want to, because I, I never quite figured out precisely what was being called all the time. And obviously, there's two major rules, which is one, you know, you have to be within the cylinder of your body when you set mm. the screen. You know, you can't be spread out like um, starfish or whatever. Or, um, probably starfish is the wrong mm. expression, but you know what I mean. Doing yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, and, and secondly, my understanding is you, you have to be a, 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 a distance away when you said it, or so far as before, step, you can't step right into somebody mm. as, it, as you're saying it. This one, I'm not sure why it was, I, I wouldn't have called it at this time of the game. It might have been illegal screen and the ref might be absolutely right. But from what I could see, Green got up there. One of his legs was outside the cylinder, certainly, but it wasn't anywhere near where the contact was. You know, the, the side that he, he was screening with, it was planted. He just hadn't got the other leg in, kind of. He didn't make any contact with the other leg, if that makes any mm. sense. And um, I think it's got to be a bit more egregious than that to call it with, with one minute, 15 seconds to go. Mm. Yeah. You know, I, I, if it had been a no-call, it wasn't an advantage gained. It wasn't that he was on the way at the basket. If it had been a no-call, I don't think anyone would have said anything. So I'll be interested. I mean, I'm going to be, I'm, I'm, I, yeah. So the refs, anybody refs listening to this, illegal screens are on watch. And anybody who wants to tell me I'm wrong, I'm absolutely old, all ears to, um, to listen to, to why I'm wrong. I'm it's sure, fair. I'm sure you'll get a text Monday morning. Um, oh, three. Uh, <laughs> Uh, so this matters because then we come back there, A, because they turned the ball over as a result yeah. of it, but B, because they come back down the other end. Miller runs the clock, gives it to Delpesh. Green commits a foul. He's now fouled out of the game with 43.6 uh, uh, seconds to go. Delpesh makes one of the two free throws to make it 78-73, but Fletcher, as we've seen him do countless times, immediately back down floor, uh, with a quick layup to make it 78 yeah. 75 uh, with 36 seconds to go. Um, and then uh, then Bristol, well, we saw a bit of Bristol struggling in close game situations at home at the end of last season. They almost turned it over. Williams had a steal and then a jump ball was called as a result. And that was one. Uh, it's worth. Yeah, well, I give him a little bit of credit. I mean, that was a Manchester was scrambling, and I yeah. think one of the, one of the new Bristol guards made the mistake of throwing it down to the corner. Mm. You know, you don't throw it to the corner when there's a team scrambling like that against you because you because you, you're not in attack mode and you, you're able to be trapped. And then they had to try and get it out of the corner, and that that shut, they basically took away half the court. Mm. And um, you're right, Dirk got his hands on the ball, but it was judged a jump ball. Um, so just to clear that up, because the, on the commentary, they were thought it was a bit generous because it went so quickly from two people touching it. But if two people are touching the ball and one of them steps out of bounds, it's automatically a jump ball. Yeah, I thought, I, yeah, I, I didn't have an issue with that. Um, so uh, 22.7 seconds left on the clock. It's a flyer's timeout. They've got sideline ball in uh, in the five second spot, so to speak. Um but actually, they, they got it in pretty easy this time. Yeah, a little down screen for Mike Miller. Yeah, what, yeah. what was the problem, guys? <laughs> <laughs> what was the problem? Little down screen for Mike Miller. Job done. Um, to be fair, Manchester weren't overly pressed. You know, Manchester no, they defense was, was pretty passive for quite a lot of this game. Um, they were there. They were in the right position, but you wouldn't say that they were um, overly aggressive defensively, you know? And, um, yeah, they got the ball into Miller um, quite comfortably. Uh, he's fouled. Uh, 19 and a half seconds to go. He goes one for two. Uh, timeout and uh, advance the ball. And they run a nice little play that uh, Lee screened the screener and he's wide open at the top for, for, for a three-point shot that would uh, um, would have tied the game, was it? I've lost. Yeah, I've lost track no, they dropped it by one. They've been down by yeah. Anybody um, yeah, wants to be entertained, have a quick look at Coach Capullo as well. So once he gets that shot before it goes, before he lets it off, 
the look of absolute horror. On his, like, what? How does he get open on one down screen mm. for Fletcher to throw the ball straight to Lee to shoot a good three with no time coming off the clock? Um, yeah, the, the defense broke down, but he missed the shot, um, and that was basically the game, albeit. It- well, yeah, you you assume uh, you assume it was uh, basically the game. Um, so they fouled immediately. Uh, uh, Robertson fouled out. Miller has two free throws with 15 seconds to go. Misses both of them, but but they get an offensive rebound. Mahan gets an offensive rebound. Then they didn't foul them. Manchester down yeah, was still still some time. It was kind of a bizarre finish, like yeah. that. Just he just missed two, he might miss another two. Yeah, it was almost like you know, it was almost like well, if we do foul them, I and even if he does miss, we're still gonna have to get a rebound, and we're not yeah. gonna get a rebound, so let's not bother. Yeah, without any direction, really, it was, it was a little bit strange. I, and I think Bristol were thrown off by the fact yeah. that they weren't fouled, and then Watson Gale sort of tripped over, turned the ball over. And and, and uh, Williams banks in a in a three on the buzzer just to make it a one point game instead of a four point. Game. And again, have a look at Coach Capullo's desperately telling his players not to foul. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, in fact, I think that guy was too whoever was guarding Williams was too close to him for the coach's liking. Yeah. But no, you know, ultimately they played hard, and you know they've got a, they're, they're, they're going to be they're going to be a matchup problem for a lot of teams. You know, once they sort their roles out in Bristol, once they sort out you know who they're. The guys are. I don't think Manchester particularly respected Watson Gale. I don't imagine he was particularly high on the scouting report. Mm. And I think he hurt them as a result. He got some. He got some rhythm shots. You know, and if you scored an eight in a game in an American Division Two college, you can certainly score. Mm. Um, so I think that I don't think he'll be under the radar of teams for much longer. Yeah. Um, but no, no it, was, it was it was a fun game. Is it is it too early to point out that if they play each other four times, that three pointer might actually count for something? Yeah. I'm, I'm yeah. asking. It'll be too early in March. <laughs> okay, yeah. I won't, I won't well, mention I the basket difference for the season. Yeah, if, if after 36 games, intent, they, they, they happen to finish on the same record, yeah. might be the difference between finishing fifth and sixth, which won't yeah. make any difference anyway. So, yeah, yeah who cares? Okay. Well, I'm just going to throw it out there. Yeah, of course. Uh, Del Pesh 19 and 15 rebounds, 10 of them uh, offensive. Watson Gale 19 points, 7 of 12 shooting. Miller 18 points, 15 rebounds, 8 assists. Flyers with 36% uh, field goal shooting, 27 offensive rebounds, only 11 second chance points, though. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing they're going to have to finish. Yeah. you know, and maybe kick out the shooters and that type of thing, but that'll happen as rules yeah, rules yeah. get kind of solidified. Uh, Lee had 21 points, 13 rebounds, five blocks. Dirk Williams with 17 points, Green 15, Fletcher 11 and 11. 20 points uh, off turnovers, 19 points uh, in the fast break. Just goes to uh, to underline the, the numbers I gave you earlier about the transition from Manchester. Something to watch for them, I think. So let's go to the Sky Sports game. Uh, Sheffield Sharks, 73, London Lions, uh, 86. And um, the motorway, the M1 was closed, apparently, down by uh, East Midlands Airport. So Lions were super late arriving. Yeah, um, that was in the EuroLeague. Mm, it happened in Eurobasket, didn't it? There was yeah, no bus in one yeah, game, wasn't there? Yeah, and, and, that uh, was Tbilisi, though. Yeah, it was Tbilisi, oh. yeah. The... Um, so they they arrived late. So so the tip off was it was probably about seven minutes later than it it would have been. 
um because basically as soon as the last person walked through the door they set 30 30 minutes on the clock and and started ticking down so they didn't really have much of a warm-up maybe 20 22 minutes yeah just uh, so you know when that, when that happened to us we would always make sure the last person stayed on the bus for about 10 minutes <laughs> As everybody else got dressed, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was number 10 on the bench as well. Believe me, Dan, if you've done if you do multiple trips to Crystal Palace or Worthing from Newcastle, it's a skill you need to know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You need to know how to, you know, yeah. Anyway, so they had a few early turnovers. I don't know if those two facts are interrelated but but sat there uh watching them come in and out every two minutes with the uh, uh substitutions it was notable the sort of length that they have the depth that they have and you know just wave after wave even though they weren't really on top of the game it, you know it was still coming yes yeah, really quite fascinating um it's interesting to see that the, the kind of the identity that they've adopted because you've got as much talent as they have you could easily adopt the kind of the swagger that blow you off the court type mentality. And I don't think they've got that. I don't think they've done that. I think that's to their credit and to their benefit. Um, instead, what they, they, it's kind of more attritional. Um, their mindset is to try and wear you down with their size and with their length. Um, they're quite systematic offensively, as opposed to individualistic. And I think part of the problem that they had in the first quarter well, initially, in the first half, my thoughts were, oh, dear, they're going to have some problems with Kufos. He's played nine minutes a game for the last three years. He's now playing in a fast league, and he didn't look like he was on the pace. And Sharma was okay. But again, you know, I'm thinking, you're going to have to play small here. You're going to have to take these guys out. You're going to have to go small. You're going to have to be more PBL, kind of typical. Um, what I didn't know was that the bus had got there half an hour beforehand. Mm. So, you know, I think Kufos probably gets a bit of a pass for that, given that he's seven foot, because the way he came out in the second half was mm. very different. But the interesting thing was, yeah, was, that's the way they've chosen to go. And that's probably the right way, because it's no point swagging around the BBL and then taking that swagger to Europe and then and getting beaten. And to be honest, they had a bit of that last year. You know, there's a bit of talking going on that with Reese and all those guys. You know, the swagger was kind of we're a bit good for the BBL and all this stuff. You never got that impression in this game, mm. never. And that's critical. And the coach, I thought, was very um, Americanized, and I don't mean that in a bad way. I think he might be Canadian, so it's probably a bit unfair. Um, but in the way that he handled his team, quite buttoned up, not overly emotional. You know, he's got a ton of talent there. He doesn't want them to be um, impacted negatively by his kind of emotional outbursts. So he's keeping the control of everything himself to make sure he's got a control on his team. And the fact, and the, and the concern with that is always you might lose some players because you know, you, you've got them at the end of the bench, but what changes it for London and, what, and the reason that that is the right way to go is that all these guys are getting paid. Mm. You know, and, and it's not a question whether they're, they're playing for jobs elsewhere, they're playing for jobs in London. You know they're getting paid, um, so it's a little bit like the NBA. You don't have people on the end of the bench causing problems in the NBA or in the G League because they don't want to be labelling themselves as a problem because they might lose the gig, which is the best gig they've ever had. Mm. You know, so that helps you kind of maintain that that team togetherness, and, and it means that as the coach, you can be a little bit more um, um, thoughtful as opposed to you know, kind of BBL specific emotional Flanoi, Paternostro, mm. PJ, you know, which we've all seen. So it's a different way of doing things. 
Um, in relation to the players, I mean, God, yeah, they're seriously deep. Mm. I mean, I mean, the one guy actually who the only guy Decker, Decker was the last cut for the Raptors, so we know what that we know how good he is. I mean, that wasn't a surprise. Um, Kufos, three, well, a thousand games in the NBA, not a surprise. Um, the one guy that kind of my eyes, my eyebrows raised a lot was Zubchich. Mm. Um, he only played about six minutes in the first half, but it was like, oh dear, this guy is seriously going to be a problem. You know, he's best part of seven foot when you add his wingspan together. He can go inside, he can go outside. And I'm thinking, this is not fair, <laughs> you know, <laughs> bluntly. And that's before you get to Huban, who's going to be the other guy. Who's yeah, yeah, who didn't play that. I forgot to mention that at the top. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, they have realistically five guys who are MVP caliber players if they're on a different team. Mm. You know, okay, Huban, Zubchich, Kufos, and probably Luke Nelson. That's not even including Ovi Soko. Mm. Right. So if they have three of those five or six guys playing, they should win you know, virtually every night. You know, if they've got five or six of those guys playing, I struggle to see anybody having the, the depth and the length to, to kind of compete with them short of a situation where somebody just goes off and has 45. Yeah, yeah. The threes, because the three-point shot is a great level. Um, their commitment to defence was impressive. It was. Um, their commitment, you know, the second half, they basically tightened up and that squeezed came down the middle. Squeezed the life out. They squeezed the life out. Because if they squeeze, you know, in the first half, they were attacked down the middle with Kufos and Sharma and, and you know, the, the space wasn't quite right. And Sheffield were good at that. Sheffield, and I'll get to Sheffield in a minute, I'm not forgetting about them. Um, but in the second half, as, you know, the, the size became more impactful, you could see the way that they were planning on winning games. Mm. You know, basically, attritionally. And um, with enough shot making. Now, when they get to the next level, you know, are they going to need a little bit more of the guard spot? Probably, but you know, Devon did exactly what Devon's meant to do. He ran, you know, when he was in the game. And um, Aaron Best, you know, was a guy I remember we looked at when he came out of college seven years ago, but I didn't know how good the Canadian colleges were, so didn't dare take a risk. Um, uh, he, um, you know, he, he looked like a perfect fit for kind of defense, ego free type of player. Yeah. And, you know, they got very, and, and, and the British guys, Queely and Solowad and Ward Hibbert eventually, you know, you know, they, they, they did what they had to do. They fitted in. Yeah. The issue will be when those guys, if those guys have to in the BBL play bigger minutes and bigger roles because the jury is out. They can be effective, but they're, they're the third, fourth, fifth option. So the jury is out if they have to become a higher option. But I'd be surprised if that happens. Yeah. I'll be so. honest. You know? Anyway, so so that's kind of the overview on London so far. You know, kind of nine out of ten, really, and mm. um, particularly as they're coming off a you know the bus trip to Sheffield and the M1 being shut, which is kind of entertaining. That that happened in the first game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and also they're playing in Ponds Forge, which I historically say is a very difficult shooting arena, mm. and I always thought it was until someone put a clip up this morning of Kieran Achara draining six threes. <laughs> Breaking um, Sammy's heart, it was classic. No, I'm, not to be sure, fair. I'm not sure if there's some foreshortening on the lens. No, no, no. I was, I was there. They were, they, there they do well, it, yeah. they do it before every, or they were doing it before every game last last year. Sammy, was... Sammy is of the belief that he will eventually win one, and he never does. And Kieran was like, "I've got a shoulder thing. I might have to shoot right-handed. Blah blah blah. <laughs> I don't, I can't really do it." And that was the, that was the, they do the five spots around the three and that was the third spot and he'd already won. And at that point, Sammy just went, let's nah. give up. <laughs> well, there you go. Anyway, so it's clearly not that hard. I mean, it must have been a straight on shot. Like Kieran was like, that's yeah. right. Shooting it from the angle, from the elbows. Um, so no, so to do all of that, and, and obviously, I mean, it goes without saying that, you know, 
if Decker maintains that kind of poison yeah. mentality, then you know he's in, he's in an impossible matchup. Yeah, yeah. Garden with the small, he shoots over here. Garden with the big, he goes past you. Yeah. Or steps back and shoots it. You know, I mean that's so. So he's as good as he wants to be in our league, mm. um, which is a great get out of free jail, get out of jail free card for the coach. Albeit they're probably going to need a bit more from the, as I say, a little bit more in your league, a little bit more on the screen and roll from the guards, because yeah. best I don't think is a screen and roll guard. Um, Van Oostrom's just kind of a screen rule setter-upper. And obviously they had Tarek Phillip, who they didn't, um, who they weren't able to, um, who got injured, basically. And he was probably the more explosive of the guards that would have maybe given them that one extra option. But so, short of that, I'm not sure I saw a flaw there. Sheffield, Sheffield were really good. Mm. You know, I'm not, you know, Sheffield were really good. And I saw them again, I saw them at Newcastle the week before. Um, and, you know, they've, integrated some decent talent. They've lost two guys from last year who were really important for them in Wallace and Johnson. They basically replaced them with Banks and um, Nelson. And just get this straight, um, both for Rowe and for Swain, who was doing the game tonight, it's Saeed, not Shahid. Mm. Can I please, you know, Rowe... Well, I made the mistake. I went, I looked at the... uh, We have a stats feed on on one of our monitors and I went to Rowe. They've got that wrong because I saw S. Nelson. I thought, Steve Nelson. Yeah. And Luke Luke was obviously playing. And then I realized I was looking at yeah, Sheffield right. rather than London. But that's I think. But yes, I'm I'm surprised I didn't call him Steve at one point. Yeah. yeah. Um so yeah, so he so they so they've been so he him and um Banks have come in for Johnson and, and Wallace and they've added an extra big with the fifth American in mm. Oganyemi. Uh, and the issue for them is going to be, I think, how many minutes they can play with the two bigs on, with two of the three bigs on the court. Because mm. at the minute they've got Cork, Delpesh, and Ogan Yemi. And obviously, if you if you can't get two of them on the court at the same time for spacing, then you're restricted to 13 minutes each, and that's difficult. Yeah. You know, and they, they tried a couple of times to kind of go with the two. And of the four, of the three of them, Ogan Yemi is kind of the best spacer, but he's still a bit of a, re, you know, he's a bit of a, um, rebounding machine, so you see, he's not overly comfortable at stepping right out. Um, and obviously, that then constricts your space a bit more. You know, when you've got the, the, the two of those guys in the game and you're dealing with a rotating lineup of Kufos, Sharma, Ovisoko, Zubchic, you know, these guys, it becomes, you know, difficult for the guards to get into the spaces to get their shots off. Um, so that's going to be a kind of something I'm going to look at for Sheffield over the course of the season, how they use their three bigs and whether they can keep two of them on the court. Because if they can, then defensively they actually become a bit more intimidating and their rebounding gets better. Um, but it's all about you know working that spacing out. Mm. Um, and London were quite happy to go with the two two bigs at all times. You know, they never went small, never took one of the centres out, basically. And it'll be interesting to see if that maintains during the BBL as well. Um but yeah, they just strangled them. They did, yeah. So Decker was fouled on the buzzer at the end of the first half, made three three throws, and that that put them up thirty seven to forty. And then they scored the first eight points of the third quarter. But the defense was just, I mean, sitting there courtside. The intensity of it was really impressive, uh, and it kind of broke Sheffield's back. It's not a team that you're going to chase down London uh, once they got ahead. That was it. No, um, I, mean, I was one thing in the first uh, spot, you know, there was a call, in, a three-second call in the first half, but you might have picked up on it. Mm. Um, I'm not sure you can have a three-second call when somebody's rebounding an air ball. 
Yeah, I, yeah, it was. Yeah, I, 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 my assumption is the referee's gone. It was three seconds before the shot went up. Yeah, well, it was two seconds after. Yeah, 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 no, yeah. Okay, fair enough. But yeah, for those who don't know, the, the it's the for the three second rule, the shot doesn't have to hit the rim. No, the fourteen second. The shot clock it does, but for a three-second rule, a shot attempt is sufficient to reset the shot clock. Um, it was always one of them. I remember in in the old days, Nick Stonard, the old referees chief, saying, "We're trying not to call three seconds, basically." Yeah. Um, but what they would do is they would ping you if the shot was about to go up because you'd have the benefit yeah, of position. Yeah. Whereas th- there was no benefit to the three seconds until the ball came to you. Yeah, so either when they threw it in, they'd call it, or when the shot was about to go up, they'd call it. Daniel Routledge, referee's apologist. No, I'm just, just, I'm just saying. Oh no, I'm with you. I understand that, and I think you're probably right. Because um, in the, you know, when I was a kid, you you see three seconds all the time. It yeah. was a regular call. It was one of them yeah. that you saw all the time. But they just don't bother with it now, yeah. unless. It's a point where there is an obvious advantage. To be honest, there's a lot of space in there anyway, which means yeah, exactly. Yeah. So uh, Nichols with uh, 19 and five, Glasgow 11 and eight, Delpish 10 and six, Decker had uh, 23, Kufos 18 off eight of 10 shooting and eight rebounds, and Best had 10. So let's move on to today's game, uh, starting again with the Sheffield Sharks, uh, where it finished Manchester Giants. 105 Sheffield Sharks 102 in double overtime. But good job, by the way, for filling in while I went and got my laptop charger plugged in because this game went on too long, so my laptop was running low. And maybe um, doing that myself. So uh again, I went to um I had to drop my son back off uh to Charmwood and I got in at four minutes past five and I turned this one on and it was 15 three and I was like what happened how did I miss that but apparently Giants scored the first 13 points of the game Dave yeah and they went they were and they'd had their sugar rush hadn't they they had the red ball they flew out the traps um Dirk made shots um now um Taj Green made a three at the top of the key um Sheffield was still kind of getting calibrated with not having Glasgow playing. So they, initially they were, they, were, they were kind of finding their way um, and Manchester kind of stepped on them. Lee, I think Lee made a shot too as well and, and blocked a shot. And it was just kind of, here we go. We know we're flying around the court where, you know, we've come out with the coach having told us that we've been out rerounded by 25 on Friday night. So we've got a ton of energy and and, um, and they, they, they looked really good. Um, Sheffield are very methodical though, and it's going to serve them well over 36 games. They already get you already have the feel that they're a team who knows its rules. And um and they kind of they're like they're like if you've got you know an eight-year-old child who's got a, got a little scar on their on their arm, and they're like you they're constantly picking at the saw. Sheffield, they're constantly picking at you. You know, they're constantly going to, they're not, they're always going to be there. It kind of, it was the parable of the tortoise and the hare. Mm. You know, that you know, Sheffield weren't ever going to go away in this game because that's not what they are this year, particularly. They're very methodical and and they, they, they've had a good preseason. I think they trust their system. And Manchester were flying, as I say, flying around all over, but they're also doing some pretty dumb things as well at times. You know, so a couple of times they couldn't get the ball in bounds from the from the um the, the the baseline that type of thing, and 
Um, and then they're giving up threes or they're overhelping on defense. And kind of, it, it really was, it was a, a game whereby, you know, I think whilst Manchester were making all those shots and that they were 10 or 14 in, in threes in the first half, it's like, you know, no wonder they scored 58 points. But when the, the speed slowed down, the transition slowed down, when Dirk disappeared from being mildly hot to being, you know, incredibly hot, which he was in the first half, when he just dropped just a little bit and then and, and Sheffield focused on him a little bit more, uh, Manchester's offence struggled. Sorry, I'm trying to get my son to get me a glass of water oh, there. I and he's looking that, at yeah. me like, shall I refill it? I'm like, yes, water. Yeah, that, water. You're blowing kisses at me. You know? No, no, no. He'll probably come um, back with a beer now or something. Yeah, Let's see yeah. what I do. Um, so um, uh, they, they actually got uh, way out in front. They were 21-5 up midway through the first quarter. They led by as many as 21, 53-32 after 17 minutes. But Sheffield with an 8-0 run. Um, just before half time, there we go. Here comes my water. Thank you very much, sir. Uh, 53.40. And can as you, you say, bring, sorry, can you ask him to bring me some water too? Dave wants some water as well. Can, yeah, no, he's, he's looking at me crazy now. <laughs> um, so yeah, they, um, they, they just sort of hung about and, and, uh, and slowly, slowly reeled it in. And you could hear it in the commentary that they, 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 that, oh, the, uh, shot, the, the, the shot spectrum from Manchester in the second half was pretty off. They couldn't get many good looks at all. You know, they, they, it was back to where they were against Bristol because they're in the half court and Sheffield mm. at this point in time are about half court team than Manchester. Mm. Uh, Manchester are a more athletic uh, team than Sheffield, but Sheffield are a half court team. And when the game became into the half court, it was just a question as to whether or not there'd be sufficient time in the game for mm. Sheffield to catch them up, basically. And, Man and Manchester's offence basically came down to people making tough plays yeah, yeah 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 you know that was it yeah, there was yeah. nothing easy at all whereas manchester's defense began to crack a little bit because they started fouling and you know nelson shot an incredible 22 foul shots and mm. 22 foul shots for a guy who hasn't really got um extreme quickness you know he's very slithery he's very good he's very capable and jason swain was talking about how his ability to kind of create contact and that type of stuff but he shouldn't be shooting 22 foul shots mm. You know, you could, that's discipline. That's because he's playing you and you're not disciplined enough. And, um, you know, you know, the way to come back from a deficit is to score when the clock's not ticking. Yeah. Which, which, is, which is what they did. So Rotino hit a three. Um, Cook got a couple of scores uh, with five and a half minutes to go, 76-69. Cook then fouled out on a, on a double foul that we couldn't quite uh, see with five to play. Yes, but, that was watching the game. As you say... Um, Nelson just sort of reeled them in, reeled them in, and it was just he he draw a foul and it's free throws, and it was it was down four, and then it was two, and then uh, then he tied the game up with a minute to go. And Ogan Yemi would get offensive rebounds, and they would just keep things alive. You know, they would just make plays, make enough plays, you know, to retain that kind of um, that kind of we're still here type of thing. And then. Uh, 21 seconds to go. Fletcher drives to the basket, uh, lays it in, 83-81. Uh, Sheffield with a, a timeout didn't advance the ball because there's still 21.6 to go. And if Kipper Nichols was a, a shoe size or two uh, smaller, they'd have won the game, Sheffield, because he was uh, he wide pulled. open from the three-point line and, and towed it for, for two. Uh, he pulled the Durant, didn't he? Um, yeah, you know, credit this, this time, you know, I've got to say credit to the ref. 
You know, you see it straight away. He's got his, he's got his eyes on the floor. He sees the, the foot touching the line. The hand goes down to the side. It's a two-point mm. shot. You know, no absolute clarity. That type of thing, that, that type of call, you know, you have to make it that time. You've got to be on it as a ref. You've got to know that's an important thing to be looking for. And you've got to be absolutely certain. And, you know, I don't know who it was, but, um, you know, I, you know, you know, for, for all the, the, the complaints about three second goals and all that stuff, you know, if we get a call like that, right, you've got to give them some credit for that. Yeah. So, yeah, so, yeah, I mean, there was a bit of a bit of a breakdown in, in, in Manchester's defence again on Nelson. They, they really had no clue how to guard Nelson the whole second half and they overcommitted to him. You know, which you don't do off nickels when you're up by two. Mm. You know, you're up by two. You, that was an open three-point shot. You don't, mm. you can't give that up. You know, I think it was Green who kind of they were in. He was in drop coverage, and they just let nickels. You know, it was the easy pass for Nelson when once mm. um, he saw that. And you can't, you know, you could be in drop coverage off um, Ogan Yemi, but you can't be in drop coverage off nickels. You know, and letting them kick it out for an open pick and pop three. So that was kind of a little bit of. In evidence of Manchester's kind of inexperience as well. And, and Green was actually quite lucky to still be in the game. He could have been kicked out of the game. He had one on sports, maybe he could have got another one. Um, so he's going to have to learn to rein in his emotions a little bit in, in games, I think. Um, but then... I mean, I'm, I'm not sure what they were trying to do with that last play at the other end, Manchester, but Nichols disrupted it and, and forced a... It ended up being a, whole, uh, a hell ball, but they only had... Um, they only had 0.4 of a second. Fletcher was just dribbling the ball, wasn't he? But I was waiting for him to go. Maybe he was trying to hold on too late to, to get the last shot. But no, it wasn't, it wasn't good. But there didn't seem to be anything else happening. So no. it was just reliant on him. Yeah, it was yeah. A bit, yeah. And he didn't seem to know it was reliant on him. No. Was no. Um, so yeah, so into overtime, happy days. Yeah. Uh, both teams struggling to, to, to score. Uh, it's 86 apiece uh, with two minutes to play at the point which uh, Robertson had fouled out. Um, Nelson missed Ogunyemi with an offensive rebound, makes two free throws. It's 86, 88, 128 to go. Green misses, Nichols misses, and then Dirk Williams with the transition three, 89, 88 with 35 seconds to go. And you think, well, at least we've we've yeah, we're not going to be rid of the chance again. of yeah. double overtime. Yeah, that was it. That was that was that was what Man that's what Manchester are built on. You know, mm. Fetcher out running and hitting Nickel, hitting Williams in rhythm, and it's like automatic. You know, um, yeah. And we had, and then but no, and then, and then Sheffield out. Sheffield missed. Uh, sorry, yeah, Sheffield missed. Got a rebound. Comes out to Banks, and he's open for three. Um, yeah, again, that's eight. a breakdown because Banks has made four already. You know, mm. I mean, you can't. This is, you have to have attention, some attention to detail on the other team. And I didn't see, you know, that much of that from Manchester. I thought that's why Sheffield were able to reel them in, you know, to a certain degree. So, so yeah, he so makes it eighty-nine ninety-one to uh, Sheffield. Um, timeout again. They don't advance the ball because there's more than fourteen seconds left. Um, and then, uh, well, it didn't look like the play, but Lee made a, a mid-range jump shot to tie the game up. Yeah, well, Fletcher spent a lot of time, you know, driving down, driving kind of to the elbows and kicking to the corners the whole game. You know, they've, they've got guys stationed in the corners all the time, and this time it was Lee. And to be fair, Lee's got that one. Lee coming off his right hand has got that one dribble jump shot. He's always had it. Um, and he knocked it down, credit to him. He hadn't made much of it, many plays in the second half. I hadn't made many shots, so... You know, so then that came down to Sheffield, and Sheffield didn't really get much of a look either, did no, they? Banks got his shot blocked, and then it went out of bounds, yeah. and that that was basically it. Uh, so into the second overtime, and whilst they it's didn't... interesting on that though, you see, because you know Banks has seventeen points in this game, and five of them are threes. Mm. You know, Banks in college was a forty-two percent three-point shooter. 
on, on more, more than half his shots were threes. Mm. You know, knowing that you can't let him shoot threes and knowing that you've got to force him to drive and finish. Mm. It's, it's not about what you do, it's what you know. Mm. So, you know, and you have to know that from the beginning of the season. You can't wait until six weeks in until you play everybody once yeah, or yeah. twice. Yeah, this yeah, yeah. makes a difference in the season from the beginning. And that's where the, 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 the information retention, that's where the coaching, that's where the, the geeks come into it. You know, you have mm. to know who, and particularly when they made four threes already. Mm. Uh, so they didn't really score in the uh, first overtime, but then it went uh, pretty much basket for basket. They were a bit yeah. tired at this point. Yeah. Uh, so we'll we'll spin it towards the end. 98-98 with 2.40 to go. Then Fletcher drive. Green one for two from three-point range, uh, from free throws. Uh, 101-98 with 2.09 to go. Nelson goes one of two from the free throw line. He only missed, I think, four free throws all game. Yeah. I think it was 18 of 22. Yeah. Um, but missed one there. Um, to, so it was only a two-point game. Uh, Lee with an offensive rebound. Dirk got to the basket as a result of that, got fouled. He made it a three-point game because he went one for two. And then Banks, again, open for three, knocks it down, 102-102. Yeah, at the top again, you know, and in these games, you got, you got threes are better than twos. It sounds a bit stupid, but it's the truth. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was just like at this point, no one wanted to win. Yeah, it did look like it. This at this stage, I was, I was, I'd have been betting on triple overtime rather yeah. than a winner at that point. Yeah. Um, both teams missed, and then Lee uh, off a pass from Green with 37 seconds to go, uh, 104, 102, and then uh, Sheffield had the ball knocked out of bounds, so there was eight on the shot clock and 21 seconds in on the game clock. They called a timeout, um, but Banks wasn't able to score. Oh, you got the shot on the curl, that's right. Mm. And yeah, just a standard out-of-bounds play, got the shot on the curl, couldn't knock it down. Fletcher got a tip, got, they got the rebound, got fouled, and uh, again, decided not to finish the game, I think. Yeah, one of two from the free throw line with 11.9 seconds to go, 105-102. And then Nichols uh, fires up a, a three that potentially could tie it. He thought he was a fouled. Atiba was absolutely livid. I only got one look at it. What did you think? Two things. One, um, how the hell is Nichols wide open mm. of one pass? And that was because Green was guarding Nichols. And that's the same as what had happened earlier on. Green doesn't know Nichols, doesn't know the scouting report. He's a rookie, he's young. He was way off him, which meant that he was he's off balance. Now, he got out there quick enough to um, take the first shot away, but Nichols got him with the step back. Now, it was a foul. I watched it back. I didn't see it at the time. I, watched, I didn't see it to any degree at the time, but I watched it back a couple of times. I hope it was a foul. I understand why the ref didn't call it because I think Green did a fairly good job of persuading him it wasn't. Um, but if you look at it um, in detail, Green, when he challenges the shot, uh, isn't vertical now. So he goes up as Nichols goes up with his hand uh, kind of very, very close to Nichols' elbow now. You, don't, you know, kind of on, on kind of 45 degrees. And you don't know whether he made contact with his elbow then. He probably didn't because the shot wasn't short. But what then happens is, as Nichols goes through his follow-through, um, Green kind of continues to kind of move forward to the point where his hand becomes vertical. So the ref sees his hand vertical. But he's literally taken all Nichols' space from him. And Nichols manages to land, but he lands actually out of where he would have otherwise landed. Um, and also, I think on the follow-through, at the time he follows through, and if there is any contact, at that point, I think Green's hand is straight up. 
So I, know, I understand why the ref didn't call it or it didn't look like it. But from my perspective, he took more space than you're allowed, mm. you know, from, from, from Nichols. And it was a tough call. I understand why you wouldn't call it with the game on the line, Nichols. But, you know, players aren't, you know, a player's initial reaction is rarely put on. You know, Nichols, Nichols knew he'd been fouled. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, and I know you think, oh, that's a bit naive. You know, players will, will always say they've been fouled, etc. The way that the way that he immediately turned, the way that he looked, you know, Nichols, that isn't Nichols. Nichols isn't that type of player. He isn't somebody who goes around bitching about calls. He hasn't been in three years that I've seen. Mm. He's always been very stoic at times. You want him to have a bit more into him, you know, into the into the games. So I thought it was a foul. I thought, were, but you know, if you if you if you're three points down with eight seconds to go and you don't get a, a yeah, yeah. on somebody yeah. else's floor, well, you've got to look at the rest of the game. I'm afraid. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. Not, you know, you can't just my, my take of it, and I only watched it the once in lifetime, was I thought it was a foul as well. But but like you, it, it's a, it's close enough that you can see why it's not called. Yeah. Um, but the, my other thing about it is, uh, I think everybody who'd been to the free throw line in the previous two minutes had not made both free throws. So yeah. the, the chances of him making all three and forcing overtime were, um, you know, it wasn't a guarantee, even if the foul was called. Yeah, um, and I'm not going to go and I'm not going to get onto sort boxes about people, you know, coming after referees at the end because I may have once done that myself. <laughs> um, and you know, we've all seen it. It's not, you know, there's probably not a coach in the league. Well, there is one coach in the league who hasn't done it, which is Stuttle because he's never coached a game yet. Yeah. Apart from, <laughs> but apart from that, you know, I'm pretty sure every coach in the league has mm. has, has kind of storm preposterously across a court halfway being held being fake held back by his players yeah, yeah, um, yeah. and express yeah. dissatisfaction at a refereeing decision that's sport that's what happens you know yeah. let's not get too no. high and mighty about that you know no. if you, put, you don't put your hands on refs and you, and you don't shout upset and you don't shout physical threats to them but everything else i'm afraid it, it's it's not great you don't like to see it but you know it's sport yeah yeah so, uh, Dirk Williams, 31 points, 11 of 18, shooting 6 of 11 uh, from 3. Uh, William Lee, 23 points, 13 rebounds. Green had 13. Giants were 14 of 33 from 3-point range. I mean, that means they were 4 of the last 19. That's where the game changed. They had 58 points in the first half. They had 26 points in the second half. Mm. You know, that was, again, that was when the sugar rush ended. Yeah. And then, and then the Red Bull ran out. Nelson uh, had tw 29 points, 9 rebounds, 10 assists, 5 steals, 18 of 22 from the free throw line, but yeah, only 5 of 16 from the from the floor. Yeah, well, you know, if you can get to the line, it's the best way to score. Yeah, 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 yeah. Foul shots, I mean, that's an, that's an indisciplined um, defensive effort, but I'm afraid you've got to be better than that. Uh, Banks, 17 and 7, Rotino, 15 and 9. So let's go to the final... Uh, game. Side, mate, it is a bit rare that you have a coach chasing a ref at the end of a game when his point guards had 22 foul shots. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, know, you don't see that very often. No, no. You don't see that very often. Excuse no. me, you plug in as well. Yeah. So I will start us off then with the uh, next game, which is, uh, I say the last game, it only just outlasted the uh, Manchester game because of the double overtime. Uh, it was Cheshire Phoenix 71 Plymouth City Patriots uh, 78. No Wolf, um, as we talked about for for Cheshire, and and they got 
uh, off to a good start here. Uh, Plymouth, uh, threes from um, Simons and Hawthorne, ha had them out 13-6. It, uh, it was a low-scoring game, but it was definitely Plymouth who were, who were uh, giving the scoreboard operator slightly more to do. Yeah, and I mean, let's, let's just, again, let's go back to the start because, you know, Plymouth, you know, they've had a, a pretty discombobulated off-season. You know, they announced their signings early. There's, you know, problems with where they're going to be playing their games potentially after Christmas. There's, you know, you know the, the, the franchise is still basically trying to build itself back from being dropped in it by the Turkish owners 18 months ago. Um, they've got Four Americans, um, uh, Williams and Simons have come back from last year, who obviously were a pretty high level backcourt at the end of last season. Um, Hassan is yes, Rashad Hassan. You know, if anybody's listening to this and wants me to talk about Rashad Hassan, tough. You know, you, you listen to some more since <laughs> he's been doing this for so many years. And um, they picked up James Hawthorne, who played at Guildford a couple of years ago, and mm. um, with probably you know limited repute. Not a tremendous, you know, he was all right. Sorry, sorry, not guilt. He was okay. You know, he played a bit of energy, but he wasn't somebody you thought, oh, you know, I need to go out and get him. Um, and then they lost Joe Hart, who's, who's been, who was injured, and um, obviously lost Raul Graham Bell from last year. And so the bench is, is, is lost Cam King to that to a team in Ireland. So the bench is pretty threadbare, LVC. And um, Romario Spence, who's a, UK player who played in the NAIA last year and averaged about 14 a game. And um, I think played in a lot of the programs over the summer and did very well. So, you know, this this stuff about British players not getting a shot, you know, the, the shots are there if, if you're willing to step into it and, and, and take it, yeah. Um, the opportunity is there. So, you know, for them, you know, you know, their aspirations, you know, aren't can't be that high, right? Because of you know, the the they're in a little bit of um transition that's probably the best way of putting it difficulty maybe more honest way of putting it right compared to some of the other clubs in the league but they got pj right and pj knows the league and pj ultimately understands how to plug into his players and to turn whatever is going on in plymouth into something positive and they have benefited in this game because cheshire were coming off a 96 point victory mm. with three guys who've never played in the league before at least Four, sorry. So that's Teague, Strawberry, Daniels, and Danny Evans. Never played in the league before. Um, who are, you know, thinking, well, we scored 96, okay. So this is going to flow on to the next game. And we know it doesn't. It never does. You know, the, the most vulnerable, you're at your most vulnerable after you've had to come off a good win. After you're happy, when you're happy. Mm. Always, 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 always. And, um, you know, Plymouth kind of, I didn't, I watched, bits of the first half and kind of most of the second half. But Plymouth were comfortable in this game. I thought they played a little bit harder. Um, I thought they rebounded the ball better. Um, and they just seemed a little bit more together than Cheshire. And to a certain degree, you know, they have more guys who know the league. So Williams, Simons, Hassan, and Dusha, even Hawthorne's been in the league before. You know? And I think that you know, that really helped them. Um, and Cheshire were then hampered by Austin getting hurt. I'm not quite sure how he got hurt because mm. I watched it back and he just seemed to fall over. Mm. Um, and at one point I, th I thought he'd done his Achilles because it was just one of those kind of almost no 
no yeah, injury, yeah. you know. Um, he did come he, back into the yeah. game for, but you could see he was, there was. I think the first time he got the ball, he shot and landed on one foot, and you thought, "Oh, he's not no, going to be out there for." You know, very long. It's like that, that. That didn't look good because it was. It, I didn't see it as being a kind of a stand on somebody's foot type of injury because he hadn't jumped. Mm. Um. So, so that you know is it's probably an issue for them because they're they're only really other ball handler is Strawberry. Strawberry, um, strikes me as more of a combo guard than a, than a pure point. Um, I'm, I'm quite sure that Austin is their point guard this year. And that's why they brought him back and they said to him, you're going to be our point guard this year. Mm. Um, so they lost him, and which means that you lose a ton of um, explosiveness and ex and um, league experience as well. And they just, it was a little bit after the Lord Mayor show for them. Mm. You know, in reality, you know, that, uh, you know, Plymouth were hungrier, I thought. And um, it got to the fourth quarter, it got a little bit close, but they couldn't, they never got the momentum just going. to get us there the 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 15 2 run in the second quarter um brandon had seven of them he had a great uh, little spell brandon he's the guy i forgot sorry yeah, yeah. yeah. same for them this week he saw brandon yeah. and yeah. um he is um he's a really interesting player because he's had some great game he had some great games for them when they were there yeah. last year and uh, maybe two years ago and um particularly finishing around the rim you know he's not a guy that you particularly want to you know, put your mortgage on and making a jump shot, but you know he finishes around the rim with um, an offensive rebounds and plays defense and does lots of other things, which really kind of help you in a scrappy game like this. Mm. Um, sorry, go on. Yeah, so I just wanted to pick up because he had ten and eight at halftime. Yeah. that was that was worth mentioning. Yeah, uh, Williams had seven of the thirteen-two run, which had them out to a seventeen-point lead, thirty-four, uh, fifty-one, and then the fourth quarter. Uh, Hassan, Brandon, and Kaito all, all fouled out within about a minute, maybe 40 seconds or something. And it was uh, an 11-point game with five and a half minutes to go. And you were just wondering, because you, you touched on they're not quite with the deepest team, as to whether uh, Cheshire might be able to make enough of a... There was enough time for Cheshire to sort of reel all that back, but but it, it, it never really think, looked like I it. thought Williams was a point of difference at the end because without Austin, Williams was able to get his shot um, a couple of times and to make There was players. one moment where he'd, he'd, he'd already had a technical from earlier in the game and he was yeah. he was livid about, I think it was a no call on a drive hmm. um, and he was right drawing at the referee and, and you were thinking, whoa, if he goes, that so could be the end of them. Yeah. But but he managed to step back from the line on that one. He did, and Hawthorne, you know, Hawthorne really impressed me in this game. Not a guy I'd really pay much attention to when he was at Surrey. Um, he played he played in spurts, but they weren't very good when he was there, and you know, and he didn't really have a, a noticeable role. Um, but I thought he was really good. You know, he was, he was long. He, he blocked shots. He offensive rebounded. He put the game away with an offensive rebound at the end and a dunk. Um, he had to play the five for some time. He managed to you know stay on the court when nobody else could. Um, and, and you know him and and I say Williams being on the court and Austin not being on the court. Um, I think ultimately meant that Cheshire couldn't get enough offense together. Mm. And it was a little bit after the Lord made sure they weren't weren't making all the threes that they made on Friday night. Um, and they haven't got outside of Austin. I don't think Cheshire have got what you'd describe as a pure scorer. Mm. I think, you know, Daniel's and I think Strawberry's a shooter more than a scorer. Daniel's a bit of everything. Evan's defensive, um, 
good attention to detail. Um, she's probably a three and D guy. If anything, he's got to prove he can make threes, but not what you describe as a scorer. Then you go to, you know, Teague's big guy, neighbor is a shooter, Otterobia is a, is what Otterobia is. Um, so I don't see anyone you can give the ball to and just say, you know, go get me a hoop mm. outside of Austin. Austin wasn't on the court. Well, we will uh, we will see as it goes uh, forward. So Anderson again leading the way for Cheshire. I, might, I missed Jamel out. Sorry of all yeah. of that, but yeah. you know, it, I love that you know, Jamel is stepping forward. But Jamel is stepping forward because he has to step forward because he's looked at his team and he realizes that you know, look, I'm going to have to be something that I haven't been on probably any BBL teams I've played on in the past, which is going to be a primary offensive threat. Okay, um, and that kind of talks a little bit about the rest of the team as much as it talks about Jamel. Mm. Jamel, he doesn't want to be putting up, but he may want to, he'd like to, but he, his you know, 10, 11 years in the league aren't indicative of somebody who's going to be putting up 12 to 15 shots a game. Mm. Now, if he develops his game to that degree, that's fine, great, go for it. Um, but he's not going to force those shots on anybody. Mm. So if he is shooting those amount of, that amount of shots a game, he is playing that aggressively. That's because he's perceiving that that's something that his team needs. You know, and so that's something that you know Ben's probably going to have to look at. I mean, I see uh, you take Larry Austin out, though. I mean, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I say that. You know, every every team's got a plan until one of the players goes yeah, down. Yeah, yeah, it becomes yeah. hard. It becomes yeah. extremely hard when one of your players goes down in the middle of the game. Yeah. You know, so so, but that's, that'll be moving on. It's very early in the year. You know, all these prediction things are rubbish at the minute. You never yeah, know. they are. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so Anderson led the way 21 and six, Strawberry had 13, Echerobia 10 and 10. Uh, Williams with uh, 27 points and five rebounds was 11 of 22 uh, shooting. Uh, Simon's 12 and eight and Brandon 12 and nine. And that brings us to the end of the opening weekend in the British Basketball League. We've learned a bit. There is so much more we need to learn as we go along. Um, the Leicester's going to be interesting. Uh, you know, I think. I'm. I mean, I, I'm with you. You know, you picked you picked London to win all four, right? Yeah. And I love that kind of hardy pragmatism. Yeah. Which you demonstrate as against the romanticism <laughs> of everybody else thinking, well, actually, if this happens and yeah. this happens, and they might win that, and they yeah, might get yeah, that. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm 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 100 on your side of that which is you know if you ran a, a million simulations of this yeah. then you know, london win all four nine hundred thousand times yeah you know it's a one in ten chance that they don't yeah um but um and I don't I, I, it, there's one of the there's one thing that it says to me it's bloody hard to win all four because you can lose one game and if it's the wrong game, you don't win all four. Absolutely, so, yeah. So, so I kind of say... knows a little bit about it. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. I, I kind of um, say the they they win three, but 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 there's more chance of them winning four than two. But it's easier um, yeah. this year because yeah. you know the cup is one leg. Yeah, yeah. The um, trophy, I think, is one leg. I don't yeah. think they've got semi-finals in them. No. Um, and you know, if if the the players are all still getting paid by the end of the season, you'd expect them to be doing quite yeah. well in the playoffs. Um, my, so... my my thing about them is they'll win all the games that matter. So they might lose a game here and there on a schedule where they're coming back from 
I don't think they'll be unbeaten somewhere or there. Yeah, I don't, no, think, I, I don't think that just because Kingston didn't go unbeaten, so therefore no. I don't think it's possible. Uh, uh, that's true. Um, so I, yeah, I would agree with that. Um, but you know, if, if you were looking at the beginning of the year at a team who has the potential, yeah, so yeah, yeah, um, and, would, and, and 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 also to be honest, Dan, you know, you know, Leicester lost Crandall. Yeah, you know that's you know that's a, uh, you know it's it's a massive loss given the way that their team is constituted. They lost Crandall and brought everybody else back. Yeah, and it means they're the same, but not quite as good at the point guard position. Yeah. Um, and that's totally, you know, and, and London, there's no doubt. And, that and however good Jackson turns is. out to be, he'll be different. So be different. it'll be, it's going to be different. It's going to be dominoes on everybody else. Rather and then you look at, and then you look at everybody else and you think, well, can anybody, you know, in this 36 game league season, which is remarkable, really, it's the longest season we've had for a long time. Mm. Um, in this 36 game league season, is anybody going to go, you know, apart, possibly apart from Leicester outside of London, is anybody going to go even, even going to go 28 and 8? Even the parody there is arrested around yeah, the league. Yeah, yeah. Twenty-eight and eight is a bloody good season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And London are not going to be twenty-seven and nine. No, <laughs> you know, I'll tell you that no. now. No. You know, so um, <laughs> you know, and then and then kind of Leicester's intuitive competitiveness and the fact that they are so used to winning, you'd think might help them. But even then, the the as I say that they're one they're one step back from where they were mm. when they've had dominant years. And the history of teams in this league who've had dominant years is that it's very rare. And dominant years basically winning three out of four. And if Leicester hadn't lost a city game at Bristol last year, like you say, they could have won four out of four, right? So if you win three out of four or four out of four, that's a dominant season. And um, the history of teams have won three out of four or four out of four, and then come back the next year is not good. If you go back, I mean, I was involved with two of them. And there was certainly two at the Eagles before I got there. Um, everybody else picks it up a notch, mm. you know, and you have to balance the fact that, you know, you want to keep this team together because it's so good, mm. but you also want to keep progressing and everybody wants more money and your budget hasn't changed. Yeah. yeah. And, and the other thing, as you say, Leicester were uh, and two last year. I forgot how many games yeah. played now. So, so, they could be and six this year, and that would still be really good. But that'll be second or third. Yeah, really good. And just before, we, I mean, before we just, one big thing, um, didn't mention it before. We didn't mention the game should have. Um, you know, it looked that there is. We are beginning to see some return on this investment. Mm. You know, the media stuff, the, the the social media campaigns, the the videos, Tahir's videos, Josh Steele's video, um, the the Julaska on the TV, all that type of stuff. Um, that's kind of encouraging, mm. you know. And I've obviously previously said, you know, proof would be in the pudding. Mm. Um, that's really encouraging. Um, there's still other thing. I mean, on top of that, you look at that. We've got five games, and we've basically had four of them playing the sold-out venues. Mm. Yeah. Which you know, which again gets me to the oh, why can't we attract more? We need to do this. We need to do this to attract more fans. It's like you can't attract more fans, and you can get in the games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it comes back down to the venue again and again and again. You know, you need to get, and so um, one hopes. I mean, let's say the 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 Manchester thing this summer has not particularly been held, been handled particularly well by the league in relation to not releasing the players when Manchester have been releasing it. It's all been a little bit weird to those of us who watch kind of the league at with, that level, yeah, yeah, at that degree of interest, which is like all four of us. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> you know, it's all been a bit weird, so. You know, and, and there are still questions about about the, the governance and about you know precisely how it's all working the seven 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 and all that. 
But, you know, what people are really interested in is, is the message getting out? Mm. And how is the message getting out? And there does appear to be a concerted strategy. Yeah. And, and, the rea- and the reality is the people whose job it is to do that have only been in post for between six and eight weeks. Yeah, so, exactly. so that's what's happened in six to eight weeks. What, imagine what will happen in six to eight months. Well, that's why, that's why I say it's encouraging. Um, you know, I think there is, a, you know, there is a market to be exploited. And so far, um, I think there, um, it's been pretty sure-handed. Mm. You know, the way it's been done. There's not been any the kind of the, the you know, publishing London Lines, fixture times in American time and that type of yeah, stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. Again, to the four of us who care, really kind of like, yeah. what, what's going on? Um, and it'll be interesting to see, you know, how that continues and whether they're able to maintain that um, over the course of the whole year. I, I, I hope so, because it, it augurs well. Certainly, you know, over the summer, um, there is a benefit, you know, the, the league is getting, I think, talking to the very, I've talked to probably five coaches over the summer at various different times and happily they're all still talking to me. Mm. Um, and it seems that everybody is kind of positive about um, about kind of an upward motion, mm. you know, with, with the league. Um, so hopefully um, long may it continue. Long may it continue indeed. But uh, we need to come to an end, yeah, Dave. So, uh, yeah. so we will park it. We'll park it there. Dave and I will be back as usual next Sunday night to break down the next round of fixtures in the BBL. But for now, have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday. Goodbye. <laughs>